Welcome to Sean's Rambles, a special Paul Weimer edition. How are you, Paul? I am well, Sean. How are you? <laughs> Paul's a little uncomfortable because he wasn't expecting this, but uh, I thought I'd make this an interview with Paul. Given that Paul is like the everyman fan, he's read everything under the sun. If you mention the name Roger Zelazny, his face just gets really, really excited. Uh, he was wearing a Zelazny shirt today, if I recall. I, I, I was wearing the Corintadero inter- uh, quote on the, on the shirt, yes. So uh, I want to ask you, Paul, when did you first get into science fiction and fantasy? I got first into science fiction and fantasy around age seven or eight. My older brother handed me a copy of the Martian Chronicles. He handed me iRobot. A couple of years after that, I read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings all in about a, about a four or five days because they were going to have the animated versions on in a marathon on TV. <laughs> and I, my brother thought I should be prepared for this marathon by reading the, the matter in advance, and I agreed, so I read that. So by age ten, I was fully, fully immersed into reading science fiction as my most as most of my fiction are diet. Excellent. So you started with some pretty classic names, Asimov, Tolkien, those likes. Um, who would you say uh, was the most influential on you as a person? I mean, maybe not one person, one author, but there may Influ- be many. Influential me in what sense? Well, let's say let's take two senses. The first is kind of the generic sense, right? Influential in terms of. Uh, really made you love the genre as as this place of exploration, um, and that may be some of the authors you just mentioned. And then influential on you as as a as a person, as you know, did it did it change you in some it way? Changed me. Okay, the the, the the first we already na- already named the name. His name is Roger Zelazny because <laughs> what was the age eleven or so, or no, maybe maybe age twelve. My brother handed me a copy of Nine Princes in Amber. Actually, it wasn't Nine Princes in Amber, say. It was the Science Fiction Book Club edition that had the first couple of the first five novels collected. And then he gave me the other one. And Roger Zelazny's vision, his mythic scope, his interesting world-building are some of the earliest things I read science fiction for. So, So having said just what you just said... Um, I know that we're at convergence, or we're at the well. Convergence is over, so yeah. but we're we're at the place where convergence normally yeah. takes place, and it was occurring earlier today. And I know that you are often on panels at convergence that deal with mythology in some way or another, or you know, in, yeah, yeah, it's symbolism pretty, and genre mythology was one of the panels I was on. Sure, excellent. And you were on panels very that had similar themes last year, as I recall. Yes, and given that you just. You eloquently said, you know, the, this love that you have for Zelazny's use of mythology. I'm led to guess that Zelazny is part of why you are interested in mythology in science fiction and maybe in general. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. I I started reading – I actually explained this at the Symbology and Mythology panel. I started reading mythology at the, about the same time I started reading science fiction and reading it almost in a fantastic in fantasy science fiction light. I mean, I don't believe in the Greek gods or the Norse gods or the Egyptian gods. So I took those stories as fantastical stories, just like reading, okay, I can read this Elasny novel, and then I can read this story about Perseus and Hercules and 
and I can watch Clash of the Titans and take that as a not as a mythology movie, but as a fantasy movie. And I do appreciate authors like the Lasney who especially take take the mythologies, sometimes very alien mythologies, like say Lord of Light, which was which takes the Hindu pantheon, which I knew book is about, and blends that into genre goodness. Excellent, excellent. So uh, let's go back to the the question we were kind of talking about. So Zelazny clearly has had a very big influence on your life. Um, what are some other authors, or who are some other authors that have had some influence on your life? Uh, influence on my life as far as who and what I am. Um, I Authors like, say, Clark and Asimov and Heinlein, I guess, and um, those got me interested in space as a subject for a brief while before I moved into other directions. I considered astronomy as a career, but never never panned out, mainly because there's no real good options to pursue that as a, as a discipline in high schools anywhere near New York City. So I, I never did go into that. But it gave me a love of science, quasi-science, those classic authors. Okay. Um, Let's see any other names that come off to mind off the top of my head. Um, Bradbury, Bradbury helped give me a grounding and a foundation in science fiction as something more than just nuts and bolts. That science fiction could be beautiful and poetic. I remember reading the Washington Chronicles and reading the last story, The Millionaire Picnic. And my brother asked me, do you get it at the end? And... I did. When they when they looked down in the canals and saw they themselves with the Martians, I got it. It's like it's a metaphor. They're the Martians out there, not people of Earth. They're people of Mars, and it's just like mind blown. <laughs> so uh, let's go a little bit more contemporary to sure. some of your favorite authors today. Uh, I know one of them would be Elizabeth Bear. Yeah. So, but there are certainly some others that you can mention, but you should mention, of course, Elizabeth Barron, why you love her work, and some of the others that you really are enjoying now. Enjoying now. Okay, we'll start with Elizabeth Bear. Um, disclaimer for Sean's Rambles, I've known Elizabeth Bear since before she was a writer. So oh, I didn't I, really know that. I, I, I ran in the same gaming circles as her once upon a time, before, <laughs> before she... This, Went into uh, becoming you know, a Hugo Award-winning writer. She she was in, she she gamed in the same sort of circles as I did. So I've played with her. She knows who I am from that. So so I've followed her career since her first novel, Hammered. So it's like when I found out she had a novel, I was like, cool! Finally, I can start <laughs> reading her work. So I've been avidly following her work ever since, and she has excellent excellent characters, especially especially in terms of diversity. I love. The worlds that she creates, her worlds are often, and the stories are often dark and downbeat, but I know not to read them for optimism and happiness and light. I mean, there's going to be tough choices. There's going to be sometimes only holding actions to keep, keep things going alive, but I, but it's not grim dark. It, I mean, it can be down and, and ambiguous endings and, and themes, but, I think that's a feature, not a bug. And she also, she seems to be able to write any genre, subgenre of science fiction and fantasy that she can put her mind to. <laughs> Let's see. Well, you can go for high-tech thriller. You can go for contemporary world fantasy. You can go for historical fantasy. You can go for generationship. And most recently, 
You can go for epic fantasy or even steampunk in the case of Carrie Mavis. It's like, what the hell? What the hell subgenre <laughs> can't she write? So she intimidates me that way. And I'm always willing to follow her into whatever uh, whatever uh, rack or interest takes to her next. And what about some, just maybe one or two other authors that you are really enjoying in the last few years? In the, in the, in the last few years? Um, well... Uh, I'll, 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 I'll say her name because I'm almost contractually obligated to do it at this point. Kate <laughs> Elliott. I, 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 I am apparently the Kate Elliott fan possibly on the internet. I have read every single novel of hers. I came across her work in an earlier age before the internet where you looked at lists of Hugo and Nebula nominees and think, oh, I've never heard of that author. Maybe I should read that. And in 1997, the Nebula Ballot included worthy such as George R. R. Martin's uh, first novel, first, uh, first Game of Thrones novel, and a novel called King's Dragon by Kate Elliott. So I, had, I went pig out on epic fantasy that summer, reading, <laughs> reading Game of Thrones and then King's Dragon, and I liked King's Dragon a lot. I had already read some of Martin. I knew, Mar- I knew who Martin was because I really loved the story Nightwings from oh, some Sand years Kings back. would be my favorite. Yeah. But Nightwings because they go to Rome. So oh, my interest in Rome, well, my interest in Rome, yeah. But it's like, okay, I don't know who Skate is. I like this. She's got other novels. So I started mining her backlist for stuff and all the way back to stuff when she was publishing under her real name of Alice Rasmussen and started reading forward ever since to the point that, yeah, I've read every novel she's written. Interesting. And, uh, I think I can guess who is another whose career you've been following for many, many years, who is also an attendee at this conference. That would be Martha Wells. <laughs> and I discovered Martha Wells the exact same way I discovered Kate Elliott, because I think it was a year or two later, um, Death of the Necromancer came out on the, on the Nebula list. I thought, okay. I, I had an excellent success in discovering Kate Elliott. It's like, okay, well, Death of the Necromancer, this quasi-historical fantasy, okay, I'll read this. Okay, this is good. What else does she have? Oh, she has a novel earlier in that world. Excellent. Okay. Oh, she has a couple other novels in other worlds. She has Will of the Infinite. She has she has City of Bones. Okay, I'll read those. And then started reading forward from her, her ever since. <laughs> and read, yeah, I've got, I've read about, every, I think I think there's one co-written YA novel of hers I haven't read yet, but that's, but otherwise I've read every, every, all 16 of her novels at this point, and tons of stories. Excellent, excellent. So one last question for you, Paul, because I noticed uh, an interesting trend, which is that uh, many of the authors you read when you were younger that you mentioned were male. In fact, I think almost all the ones you mentioned were male. Yes. And then all of the ones that you mentioned now were female. And I don't want to make it seem like Paul doesn't read any men. I mean, it. it but it, I think it's interesting that clearly the ones who are influential to, uh, about, to you as a, as a younger Paul – were the male authors. Right. And now this clearly the influence is coming from a lot of female authors. And I'm curious how what you think about that that shift, why you think that has happened. Um, and it may be some it may be an innocuous answer, it may be a grandiose answer, it may be you've got a weird Martian conspiracy theory. Um <laughs> I I learned much to my chagrin some years ago, and this is even long before Skipping Fanti's project that I wasn't reading enough women. There were some women authors I read, like, say, Elizabeth Bear, like Kate Elliott, like Martha Wells, but I wasn't reading enough women and wasn't going deep enough. And so I started 
trying to seek out the voices that I had missed, especially growing up. I mean, I didn't read Tip Tree until after she committed suicide. I mean, she and she was writing at the time when I was starting to read science fiction. I could have read Tip Tree. I should have read Tip Tree. Hmm. Um, I mean, there, 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 don't get me wrong. There were female authors I read back then, like C.J. Cherry. I would, I loved the Morgane novels. I read those relatively early too. The first three of them. The the fourth one didn't come out till late eighties. So, but yes, I, I did have a a male heavy reading experience. And I I just shouldn't say I blame this on my brother. I, it's my brother. I my early science fiction reading takes were heavily shaped by my brother and. What he had, he had Asimov, he had Heinlein, he had Bradbury, he had Clark, he had Zelazny. Like, I'll start reading those too and start borrowing from his book. So it took me a time to find out what I really like to read and what I want and to uh, branch out to more female authors. There's plenty of male authors I read today. Some male authors who I consider friends and I've had influence on their work, Bradley Bradley Bolio, for example, or Mike Martinez, or Brian McClellan, or Django Wexler. So it's not like I've decided, oh, I can't ever read men ever again. But I tried to be a little more, a little more uh, parsimonious in discovering voices, especially for, especially in this day and age, women voices are often underplayed and don't get as much uh, acclaim and uh, importance, and they can write. Equal, the equal of any man, and I don't want to miss out. Yeah, and I'm, I would be careful to say that, especially today, maybe maybe it's it's better today than it was, say, fifty years yeah, ago. It, it is yeah. better today. No, it, it is definitely a progress. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, but when you see you know, Billy Hugo ballots, which have more women, that's a good thing. It is a good thing. I I completely agree, and it and it is. I mean, the, the fact that you mentioned Tiptree, and then we should probably wrap this up, but. Tiptree is the great example, right? Writing under a male pseudonym right. because of the time period in which she, or, she was or writing. Or Andre Norton, for example. Andre Norton. And that still happens today and, less commonly, but you do sometimes see, like J.K. Rowling was asked yeah. to write under a, a not necessarily a male pseudonym, but, but an a ambiguous, neutral one. Yeah, yeah, neutral and, one. A neutral one. Because they were worried that kids would not read a book written by a woman. And obviously... Uh, even now, everybody knows that she's a woman. Nobody cares. <laughs> she's a billionaire. She, she can. She she has all the bleeps to give. Yeah, it it is one of those interesting things. But you know, it's a change, and it's one that takes time. But so uh, so, thanks very much, Paul, for telling me a little bit about yourself, your what you love to read, and all that good stuff, and for being on this Sean's Rambles. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, you want to tell everybody where they can find you on the internet real they, quick? They, they can find me on Twitter as Prince Justin, P-R-I-N-C-E-J-V-S-T-I-N. They can find me at my website, www.skycstone.net forward slash J-V-S-T-I-N. I am a co-host on the Skiffy and Fanty show where I do a lot of my book reviews. I am a, I am a, I'm a regular on Nessa Signal where I do even more book reviews. I also pop up on places like, say, SFF Audio, where they ask me to talk about Philip K. Dick novels. And we didn't even get to talk about Dick on this one. I could talk a whole ramble about him. <laughs> well, perhaps we will do that for another one. Fair enough. So, and on that note, good, good goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Wait, be seeing you. <laughs>